Start remembering what you hear. Well, hi out there, and welcome to... And now, the world's foremost authority. What's up? This is the Capoeira Podcast. I am your host, Jamie, also known as Monitor Esperta. Hope you are doing well. Um, welcome to 2016. Uh, wow, uh, 2015 just blew by, and a new year has come yet again. Uh, it is here. It is happening. It is now. Uh, I hope this year is going to be good for you. And if it's not, I mean, fuck it. Do what you want. The calendar uh, is made up anyways. Um, we should have had an episode to you like two months ago. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, I was sick. And, uh, you know, the holidays was really uh, hectic with a lot of family in town. But now I'm back. Um, and hopefully we'll have a couple more episodes uh, to you uh, instead of just the regular like two. We're going to try to pump out three or four. And as usual, we have a jam-packed episode, but before that, let's take a look at some events happening around the U.S. and beyond. In Northern California, UCLA Hayward, second Bacchusato and Encounter, uh, January 14th through 17th, 2016. Uh, Midwest Capoeira Encounter with Mesa Trapo uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, January 15th to January uh, 17th. And in Seattle, Washington, Sunday's Capoeira, Seattle, Washington, Phoenix Capoeira, Kids Bacchusato, January 30th. Um, events. A couple of months ago, I covered the Artelute Bachizado in South Bay, California, and um, it really wasn't an ordinary Bachizado. I mean, there was uh, promotions, but uh, there was a big one. Professor Veral uh, became Contramestre. Um, this is my third event, seeing a teacher become a Contramestre, um, and it's always really cool. Like, they're always different, and it's always special. Um, so I was able to gather a lot of thoughts from a lot of the teachers, uh, and hopefully Contramaster uh, Viral is listening, or some of the students are listening, hope they enjoy it. Is it recording? It's recording now. Hey, this is Bo Malandro from Sports du Corpo in Long Beach, Alumni Gymnastry Hockey, chilling with jammers. Okay, so this fucking guy has pretty much goes to every event, and um, let me ask you something. What do you think makes this event special, like, other than the other events? Well, I mean, the soon-to-be Contramestre Varal is close to everybody's heart in the community. So for me, it's just an honor to be here to witness his formatura. It doesn't happen all the time. Varal, I've known ever since he basically got to the United States and to start with. Um, he came with, like, Messi Deputado and uh, Contramestre Guy when he was still here. And uh, I, I remember I met him early on. I liked him right away, and uh, we've been friends ever since. He was at my wedding. You know, he's he's him and Monica are awesome. It's really cool to see him. I've been, you know, Jones in to see this sort of rite of passage occur for him for like three, four, five years probably. <laughs> so uh, it's really great to be here, and I wanted uh, nothing more than to be here and have a great time. I, yeah. He didn't have to. I pay to be here, no problem. So I'm with Contramaster Sheen from Sulta Bahia, Santa Barbara, and uh, I just wanted to know, um, you were made Contramaster not too long ago as well. Do you have any advice to Varal about his um, his next promotion? Uh, 
up. Just that he keeps doing what he's been doing. I think he he knows how uh, how to take Capoeira very seriously, and I hope he keeps doing the same thing. I don't think he changed much besides the title. I don't think he will change anything, but uh, it's just a recognition of all his work. So I think from now on, uh, it is a new step, as was for me when I received it, as training more, as uh, everything in life generally, not just in Capoeira, as a human being. So I hope he keeps doing what he's doing it and step it up in many ways in his life. Okay, so my name is Monica, and I train at Archiluta Capoeira, which is um, now Contra Mestre of Varal School. And I've been doing Capoeira for about 12, 13 years. Have you, um, you always started off in this area of San Pedro or Lomita? Well, um, you mean as far as Archiluta Capoeira? Yeah. yeah, it opened in in about five years ago in in Lomita, which is right by Torrance. Um, and yeah, but I was teaching in some like jujitsu academies and dance studios in that in the area. So we've always been South Bay. Yeah, never taught anywhere else. Always been with Archiluta. No, I first started out as uh, a student of Mestre Cordion. Well, a student of a student of Mestre Cordion in New Mexico, and then I moved to California, um, trained a little with Gui, and that was Centro Sul Capoeira back in the day, and then with Mestre um, Heku. And that's when Varal arrived, and I met him, and then we started doing our thing. Um, so I always wanted to know about Archiluta. Um, what style of capoeira does uh, Archiluta come from? Um, that's a great question, because uh, last night Varal kind of addressed that. Um, he said we, he says he said it like this. I do not teach capoeira regional now, but I, I really identify with and value and use the principles and the methodology of Mestre Bimba. We use the Mestre Bimba sequence. Mm -hmm. New students, you know, go through the process of learning the sequence before they play and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, we, we'd like to say our, our feet are our, our, our in Capoeira Regional, but we play and train Capoeira in general to be able to speak the language and, and um, sort of have, be able to have a conversation with anybody, any style, and you know, just have an uh, understanding of sort of capoeira on this larger conceptual level, <clears throat> not just one one methodology. Yeah. Um, well, this is our fifth event, and so we call it the Festa de Batizado because in our school we do the Batizado in in house, and then we do a Festa de Batizado at this event, an annual event. Um, so yeah, there's been sort of this preparate, the general preparation that you do for an event, but the formatura has been an interesting process because since our teacher, our Mestre, is no longer teaching, um, you know, there's not the traditional way of sort of getting promoted through your teacher. So the Capoeira community has been calling Varao Contra Mestre for a long time, but uh, they themselves, including Mestre Ameng, Mestre Batata, Mestre Hockey, and now Mestre Cordion, um, and some of the other, Mestre Batuta, some of the other messages in our community got together and just said, look, we need to formalize this and figure out a way to um, recognize uh, Varao and his, his dedication and his efforts and his achievements. So um, this kind of is the result of that. And they had a, a meeting just now at the lunchtime 
I don't know what they said, but um, you know, I think they're also feeling this sense of uh, unity. Um, Capoeira is Brazilian. It's all over the world, but I think they feel that the Brazilians have to uh, represent and, and um, um, sort of preserve and, and honor the roots of Capoeira and take pride in being uh, Brazilian and that, you know, there are many new other cultures that are doing capoeira and that are growing and also gaining higher levels, but um, they just want to be able to be united and do a, a good job representing capoeira. So, I think when you um, train with like more than 10 years, like um, when you first start off, you're kind of like, it's all about the court, it's all about the court. Mm -hmm. And now is you have a child now and you're um, Vidal's wife, like what is it that you're kind of aiming for? Um, like Me every personally? year, yeah, like every year during Bachisado, because before, I think when you're kind of young in the game, you just like think, oh, movements, and then you're kind of like music. You know, it's very yeah, kind of yeah. linear. Mm -hmm. Like, do you think that that's how you're going right now, or you don't um, think that? Well, I know, like, a, a, a first thing, the the whole belt court thing. So since we started learning more about Cabo Regional under Master Heco, we stopped using belts, and it's been a really interesting phenomenon because it's, it's. I mean, that's originally there were not belts, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's really about just reading your partner's body language and really, you know, respecting and, and simmering the, the beans and sort of seeing how the game is going to flow based on who you're playing with, which I think makes you very aware and very much more, like, um, alert in your expression, which is, I think that's a really cool thing. Um, and for me personally, you know, I never... Yeah, when you first start, you're just like, man, I want to just do the cool moves, and I want everyone to think I'm so fast and good and whatever. And then, yeah, you start getting, you start feeling more responsibility. So it's not just about movement, and of course, a lot of it is music, but it's philosophy, it's history. And like Messi, this is another thing that's very important about Capoeira Regional's Messi Bimba. His goal was to create um, cidadões, right? Citizens, good people, how you treat others. Um, that is. But I always teaches the kids, it's, I don't care if you're a ninja, but if you don't treat your brother and sister or your mom and dad or your schoolmates or whatever well, then you're not being a good capoeirista. So for me, it's sort of all, it's all of those things. So my goals are to be, to do my best, to grow and to overcome my own challenges, um, whether physically or, or like psychologically. Um, and yeah, whether I have a title one day or not is really not that important to me. I think it's important. It would be good for our school eventually, and I do have that as a goal now that I've been doing it longer, but it's definitely not like my driving you know, thing. I don't want recognition or credit or uh, I don't need anything like that. It's just about doing a good job and making a difference in the lives of the students that we have and the kids that have been training with us for a long time. And um, I've been like, uh, so I'm with uh, Professor Viral. So how do you feel tonight about your, uh, about your formatura coming up? I feel like it's a, it's an honor to to you know to be recognized as a contramestre and uh, and I uh, you know I get the idea and uh, I'm proud of it. Do you have a, a goal set now uh, for your new journey? Uh, is there like sort of an intention that you kind of are thinking of, um, like or some sort of a progress that you want to be better at? I you know uh, I think my goal. Uh, when I start realize that capoeira changed people's life and you know help people to 
to find themselves the way they are. And, uh, you know, my goal is to really, like, keep doing this, keep, keep sharing my experience with Capoeira and, uh, you know, help people to find themselves. And now we get to the meat of the show. Uh, this episode is an interview with uh, Martel Oliver from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, this was taped last month, I think late November, early December. And um, when his event for his art exhibit popped up on Facebook, I thought it would be a great idea to have him on the show and to get to know him because even though he's been a guest at my school's Wachizados the last few years, I've never really had the time to sit and talk and to get to know him because I was honestly running around dealing with Blachizado stuff and helping out. So it was really cool having him over that week. Um, he taught class. He sang karaoke until four in the morning, hung out with all of us, had dinner. Um, I'm pretty sure he had a great time in L.A. And I doubt that this will be his last trip out here. So here it is, the Capoeira Podcast, episode 21, the Martell episode uh, strongly shooting out onto your neck, down to your forearms, and into your face. Hello, I'm Professor Martel Oliver. I'm from Philadelphia. My group is Ye Capoeira under Matthew Dotores Escabi Capoeira. I've been training Capoeira for 15 years. Like how many times have you been here, like in LA? Um, this is this is my. Third time in L.A. This is only your third time in L.A.? Yeah. You were here for bachizados. Two bachizados and then once when I was like 11. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so 11 doesn't count. 11 does not count. <laughs> I'm trying to get my life back together. So you've been to the West Coast like three times. Is there like an apparent, um, like do you think there's a difference between East Coast and West Coast Capoeira? Like do you think that Capoeira kind of varies through the different... Maybe, um, like, regions of the U.S., like, due to, like, environment or just, like, maybe the fact that it's, like, a big city or... I was always wondering about that. I think community-wise, West Coast has a, a, a very broad community, like, a, a vast community of mm -hmm. practitioners that get along so well. Mm -hmm. And on the East Coast, it's, it's, it's just a smaller scale. Okay. You know, so you, you will have groups that are a rock throw away from each other that don't really mix and mesh and come together as often. Um, so I want to, like, just hear about, like, where were you born? Were you born out here? Were you bo not Not out here, but were you born in the States? Yeah, I was born in the States. I was born in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. West Philadelphia, born and raised. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I grew up in Southwest Philadelphia. My mom is from Philadelphia, and my dad is from Santos, so it's kind of a weird mix of being Brazilian and American at the same time. And um, what did your parents do? Um, my mom, in the beginning years, my mom worked at a daycare, mm -hmm. and then she got a job at, the, at a university running a center for teaching and creative writing. And uh, and your dad came from Santos, you said. Yeah, my dad was a deadbeat, so. Okay, um, <laughs> let's just skip a couple years later. Yeah. Um, so how did you find Capoeira? Um, like, have you always been with Escabe, or were you with another group before? Yeah, I started Capoeira when I was nine years old. I'm 23 now, um, so I was always with Escabe. They were doing a performance in the West Philadelphia neighborhood, mm -hmm. and you know. 
in this at, at the end of every performance they say does anybody want to try and me being youthful I already I was already practicing like my flips my handstands oh, wow. that was something that you had to know in a neighborhood if you couldn't really? do a backflip you wasn't you wasn't <laughs> shit so <laughs> you had to be able to do a backflip to be like a cool guy um, so I was like yeah I can do this yeah so they asked me into the hall and I tried it out and after that, it was a wrap. I was into it. Um, so you've been with Ascabe for a long time. Um, so I assume that you know your school very well. What do you um, do? You know the lineage of your school? Yeah, uh, the lineage of my school is very simple. Master Corisco is the founder of half of Capoeira in Santos, mm-hmm. um, and he's the founder of Ascabe. Under him is Master Bandera. Uh, my master's teacher, Massey Dotor. Mm-hmm. And um, what I always like to do when I meet people from other schools is I like to ask, um, what do you think are some trademark moves in Ascabe? Like when I like when I see other schools, I kind of notice in the Jenga, like, oh, they come from this school because I can tell because they use like Esquiva Basha or something like that. Do you know, like for you, are there some trademark moves where you're like, um, when you teach your students, like, oh, this is what... This is what Ascabe is like. I, you know, you need to learn like pronounced movements. Yeah, you're I, like looking at me funny. Like I'm not trying to. Explain. No, no, no. I, I know exactly. I was trying to think <laughs> of like moves that like you see somebody like, oh yeah, that cat's from Ascabe. I think it's basically the jenga. The uh-huh. jenga is like the hardest thing going outside of school to mm-hmm. teach someone. So I know that looking in, they like, why do they do jenga like this? Would you, like um actually I feel like I got a taste of it tonight when you did a workshop at our our school um so what how would you describe it like I would describe it as jenga with a skiva lot that I would put into it <laughs> it's just no it's true I see got to Brava like now I see when you taught that it started coming together of the different people from Ascabe where mm-hmm. I've seen that kind of come through yeah from the outside it, a lot of people ask me questions like, why don't you keep your hands up, and, and why don't you do this, and why don't you do that? You uh-huh. look like you're careless. It looks like a careless Jenga, but it's really, it's pretty flawless. Is it like malandragem, like you're just hiding, like you're very aware even though your hands are down? Uh, well, most of the kicks that we, we plan to evade with Esquiva, just, just Jenga, mm-hmm. are circular kicks. So we don't have to use anything else but Jenga to get under or away from circular kicks. Oh, okay. So we can be within close quarters of a capurista and, and just do Jenga. How is the scene um, in Philadelphia in terms of capoeira? Are there other schools? Or is Ascabe maybe like one of the biggest... Like, Do you think Ascabe is like one of the more well-known schools in your area? Yeah, Ascabe is... The biggest school in Philadelphia, but I do have some friends mm-hmm. that, that um, some Angoleros, like um, Ross Makai, he's, he's I, don't, I really don't know what group he's from, but mm-hmm. he's a dope Angolero. They have Fika, uh, Contra Messi Macau, mm-hmm. um, and Chicago, a uh, Master Joe Grandi student. Mm-hmm. He has Low Country. Oh, Okay say that Escabi is like a movement heavy school or like um do you try to be like well-rounded with music or um because sometimes I go to different schools and uh 
Like, not that music is not strong enough, like, it's not that, but I just feel like it's, I mean, I'm sorry, like, movement, 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 and, um, like, music kind of takes, like, a back seat, or mm-hmm. maybe sometimes, like, uh, like, the fighting aspects, maybe because it's Haitian out schools that I, I'd visit, or if it was, like, Angola, it's, like, very Angola-heavy, like, what do you think Ascabe is known for, other than acrobatics, maybe? Yeah, I think Ascavi is just a middle ground of all things capoeira. So mm-hmm. the music is strong, the movement is strong, the fight is strong, the acrobatics are strong as well. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, when I've watched you, like, there's a lot of finesse, and, like, how do you, have you ever tried to teach that? Like, I mean, I know this is, like, a weird question, like, <laughs> like I wanted to ask you that because, like, you do have, I feel like Ascavi has, like, a lot of finesse, even though you have that apparent jinga that that your school is known for, and I see it, like, I've seen it in several Ascabe people, Mm -hmm. um, in various, like, Bachizado videos and whatever I see on YouTube, like, everybody has a certain style, like, I know everyone starts as their teacher, like, um, I train with Shingu, and I kind of have the same bounce that he does, but I've, yeah, I've started (laughs) to kind of, like, break apart, you know, because now it's, well, I mean, with tons of years, it's been mine, but how do you think, like, coming from, like, a no chord that, knows the basics, trains, and drills, like, how do you think um, you can explain maybe kind of starting to build their own finesse and their personality, like, within the game? Um, To keep it simple, like, because I grew up in Capoeira, Mm -hmm. uh, I just took things that I really liked and and worked on those, like, a thousand times, every, just working it, working it till I got it right. Mm -hmm. One move was Gato. I was very bad at gato. Mm-hmm. I always looked to the side when I did my <laughs> gato. And Master hated it. He said, oh, you always look to the side when you do gato. Que paso? And I said, I don't know. It's just... It's, it's just like, just, that's where your eyes like fall or something? When you yeah, it's like, it's it's kind of a fear thing, you know? Mm-hmm. You you kind of go for a backflip and you're like, I don't, I don't think I can do it. <laughs> I'm going to bail. So like, I, I, I worked on gato just for years and years wow. and years and years years and and years movement wise like actual moves like your your basic moves or your more advanced moves you just train them but um finesse and style really comes from knowing yourself and knowing your body Mm -hmm. so knowing your body type and and experimenting with things that look good with your body yeah so um I'm a very tall, very flexible guy. I'm not mm-hmm. going to try to do moves that power my weight, like throw my weight around in the hall. I, I choose to be more elegant and mm-hmm. more light on my feet and sometimes very acrobatic because that's what works for me. Um, growing up, I was always into like hip-hop and, and um, just dances, not even like a hardcore dancer like mm-hmm. I was never trained in dancing but I always knew like what was what like my parent my 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 parents my my mom my uncles and my aunts they taught me all of the dances from their time like, <laughs> like the bounce the funky chicken the wop <laughs> yeah the electric slide <laughs> the electric slide moonwalk all of those things and it, it kind of kept me in the know of what was cool to do mm-hmm. so like growing up I always knew what the cool dance was like or like how did you know when you were like I want to teach and I want to do this and I want to have my own school and oh wow that like is... I want to like be 
something in capoeira? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, I did capoeira for, I think, three years before I knew what a bachizado was. Mm-hmm. So I was just doing it just off of the love, only training with one person. And then I met Massey Del Toro again. So he was there leading the performance, but uh, Professor Escravo, my first teacher, was mm-hmm. the one who did classes in West Philadelphia. So I was training with him exclusively for yeah. for three years, and he never told me anything about a bachizado. So when the tour came to visit us, and he said, I think you should do a bachizado. I said, well, Master, what's a, what's a bachizado? He told me what a bachizado was. I did the bachizado. They tested me on everything in the world. I know, you know, they don't know me. They didn't know me that well at the time. Mm-hmm. But they had me, like, playing beating bows, singing La Dainas, doing, like, crazy movements. Like, just putting me to the test, like, to the fullest extent. Um, so after the bachizado, I was like, whoa, this is like... It was just like an eye-opener. I didn't think that capoeira was that big. Mm-hmm. Because our bachizado in 2004 had, man, hundreds of people. Just so many people from all over the world. And after seeing that... It was only three kids. Oh. It was only three kids in our bachizado. <laughs> kids in Escabi in, in, in 2004. Which is like not... Was, it, it wasn't relevant. Yeah, you have a huge... I feel... I've, I've seen, like, bachizados with kids at, like, Gata Bravas and, mm-hmm. like, tons of kids. So, yeah, that's... Yeah, for our Scabby group, kids came into play like 2006, 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, so right after the bachizado, I like met all of the teachers. I, I met Gata Brava, Lobo Mao, Jeromin, Pardao, uh, Marcos. I met a lot of the, the founding members of Scabby Philadelphia. And I just filled my week. Because I was only training Tuesdays and Sundays at the time. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, you got a class this day? You got a class that day? So I just went to every single class that I could go to. Like mm-hmm. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like, right. Just trying to get the best of all worlds. And uh-huh. I think that in the end, it really paid off. So I was doing that for a long time. Then uh, Massey Dotor actually moved to the West Coast to San Diego. And he left the whole group. Wow. Yeah, so um, we had to go visit him mm-hmm. to do training, to do, like, intensive training. It was it was a kind of a, a stagnant point, like, when he left, even though I was already used to training with so many people. Yeah. Um, there, there came a time where I was just training, favored the training with Massey more than anybody else. So I... I grew accustomed to just training with the Massey. So after he left, I was like, well, what am I going to do? What but belt then, were you when you were, when he left? Say again? What, um, what, like, rank were you? Were you, like, kind of advanced and you just got, got lost? Or? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I guess you would call it advanced. Graduado in our group is, like, the same, as equivalent as monitor in any other group. Mm-hmm. But I was only 13 at the time. Oh. So it was like, it was still like, I was advanced, mm-hmm. but I was young, so I didn't really, emotionally, mentally, I wasn't ready to not have a one teacher. Mm-hmm. So 
I visited him in San Diego and talked about it. I was like, Master, are you, are you coming back to Philadelphia? He said, you know, no, I'm, I'm going to stay here. So, like, when I came back to Philly, I was like, okay, I'm just going to train with, uh, with all of these guys that I've been training yeah. with since the beginning. And then he came, he came down for a bachizado, and then he left again. And then he came back to, he moved back to Philly <laughs> and opened an academy. Mm-hmm. And he had a bachizado, this was 2000 and, 2007. And that's when I got promoted to instructor. I was 16 years old. Oh, wow. I just find that so interesting that you graduated, like, so young because at the same time you're, like, growing emotionally. Yeah. And Capoeira. Um, so that's really interesting. <laughs> like, like, as, um, as 20, 23? Mm-hmm. Like, 23 now, I know obviously you changed, um... But to teach at, were you teaching at like 16? I was teaching since I was 11. To. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had my first class at this place called Studio B on, it was Front Front Street, Front and something in Philadelphia. And I taught with the other kid. There, mm-hmm. the, the third kid was a girl from New York. Mm-hmm. So in Philadelphia, it was just me and this guy named Chumbino. And Master de la Torre made us teach a class together. So, and how was that like? Was there like you guys just kind of get together, or were you like, "I'll teach this part," and then you? No, we teach that we part? we kind of taught it together, and it was kids that ranged from like, man, four years old to like mm-hmm. sometimes our age at the time, eleven, ten years old. Wow. So, I was kind of like bred into the teaching life mm-hmm. the whole time. Did uh, Dotor give you like? Like a loose outline, or were you kind of just like, okay, we're going to do basics, or is that what you kind of started off teaching? Yeah, just started off with the basics. I can only teach people what I know. Even if the tour gave me an outline, I probably would have messed it all up. (laughs) (laughs) So I just taught them what I knew, Mm -hmm. and it went like that. I think I can still do it now, but... Well, I think it's interesting, because you're in town also for your art show. Yes. And um, how did you get that? I want to know how you got that started. Like, do you, I feel like, um, I mean, for me, Capoeira really opened a lot of stuff for me. Like, um, when I meet people, like, that are new in Capoeira, they're like, oh, man, it it must be, like, you're so good. But, I mean, like, it takes work. But it's so worth it. Mm -hmm. Gained a lot of confidence. And it made me want to have, like, better things, like. I wasn't satisfied with my job, maybe. So, I don't know. It was, like, that attitude in Capoeira that I had, like, carried over into other things. Like, I started this podcast because Most of that. definitely. You know? Um, so, I'm wondering, like... I was I was always wondering, like, when I was... I kind of... I like to take some time out before I do interviews and kind of, like, jot down questions and what I was thinking and ask you. And, and I wanted to know if, if Capoeira was the thing that maybe sparked you painting or were you painting before? Um, No. I've only started, I've only been painting and, and actually drawing for October, made two years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, my sister is, is an amazing artist, um, and I kind of I say that I take all my talents from my sister. <laughs> um, when I was younger, I didn't have anything but capoeira. She played basketball, so 
I stole that and became <laughs> very good at basketball. Uh-huh. Um, she did graphic design. I stole that and then started to teach myself how to do graphic design. You just took her books? Yeah. Or... Oh, no. wow. Well, I just, yeah. she gave me a few pointers. Yeah. Like with everything a big sister would do. She yeah. gave me pointers and I ran with it. Uh-huh. Um, and painting, like drawing and painting, she never really gave me anything because she's a very tough critic, you know? Even remember, like, working on drawings as a kid, just, you know, drawing circles and, yeah. and silly stuff. She would be like, no, that's wrong. <laughs> you got to do it like this. So I, I, I was always scared to show her art. And then one day I just, you know, I just started drawing Capoeira figures and I just went with it and never really asked her anything and mm-hmm. just just pushing out painting. I feel like when she was correcting you, I think she was just trying to, make it better yeah, like make you grow. better yeah because you know that uncomfortable that comfortability it's like once you settle it's over yeah so maybe that's what she was doing yeah my sister is, is siblings one are of, like that siblings will give you shit like, yeah my sister is my toughest shit critic. everything yeah my mom when it comes to capoeira if i'm off my game my mom is the one that said no no son you you <laughs> you rusty oh man yeah so i would i um I'm starting to teach more at at her job, mm-hmm. Cabrini College. Uh, we usually do one movement, one to two movement workshops a year, mm-hmm. and I've also been doing that since I was like thirteen. Um, and my mom always stops in and looks inside. and looks and see sees how I'm doing, how I'm teaching, how I'm moving. No matter if I had like a small break in capoeira or if I've been training consistently. And, you know, more than less, she would, she would be such a hard critic, like, <laughs> you need to train. Yeah. You're off your job. Um, but my sister, when it comes to, like, other things, other than that, other than capoeira, my mom is not. Nowadays, my mom, she can't say anything about capoeira for me. She's like, <laughs> you're just amazing. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, wow, mom. I remember when you'd be like, get your shit together. (laughs) (laughs) But my sister, for like everything else, like art, design, fashion, Mm -hmm. anything that I do, she's like, look, you got to do it like this. You got to take your time. You got to work on this. And I think that is very inspiring. And it helps, it keeps me going because I'm a loner. (laughs) I only have one sister and I spend a lot of my time by myself. So like just is that having like something some... that you choose to do, or is that just like you've always been like that? Um, I think I choose to do it because yeah. I like I like working alone. Mm-hmm. I like being alone. So I like designing on my own, designing T-shirt designs or sweater designs or just fashion designs. What do you think about when you're painting? Do you think about? Do you ever think about capoeira? I feel like. Once you do capoeira, it really just spills into everything. Like, you can have a problem or a fight with someone, and then... Oh, it's almost the way you approach things is, like, the way you approach in a game. And then you think about that, and you're like, fuck, that's how I approach life. <laughs> mm-hmm. I haven't done a capoeira painting in, like, four or five months. Mm-hmm. But, like, every time I paint, I think about, like, two years ago when I just tried to paint a beating bow and some grass with two figures playing, and I was like damn, you came a long way. Yeah. So, like, every time I, I dip that brush in paint and touch the canvas, is, capoeira is always on the mind because that's that's how it all started. Um, I've seen some of your work on, on Facebook, and it's a lot of uh, 
faces? Like, uh, is there like a story behind what you, uh, those particular paintings that you've been painting? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So um, I have a clothing line called Major Envy, majorenvy.com. Um, and we did something called the Perfection Project, mm -hmm. where we tried to unify people who had low confidence and, and thought that they didn't fit the fashion or, or beauty standards of, of today's society. Um, and all of the all of the faces that I paint derived from that. It started off just as like just a simple box line face. Mm -hmm. And just words going around it like guilt, ugly, hate, love, pain, struggle, all going around that. And just graphic design, not even painting at the time. And as time goes on, I like try to put in flaws in the faces, like a big nose. Or mm -hmm. every every painting has big lips. Yeah. <laughs> um, just to try to try to signify that nothing's pretty. Yeah. But everything is perfect. Oh, I like that. <laughs> so, like, when we look in the mirror, we're like, man, my skin or my nose, my eyes, mm -hmm. I don't like that. We got to put that makeup on mm -hmm. or, or do something drastic to change my image. But the flaws that we have is what attract other people to us, you know? Yeah. It's like... When you meet somebody and you're dating and they say, oh, I really like your hair. And you're like, ah, don't touch me. Don't, don't look at my <laughs> hair. Don't speak about my hair. It's like that. The Perfection Project is just that. It's just letting people know that you are somebody's everything. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what everyone thinks about you. It's, it's about what you think about yourself and finding people that appreciate you. So that's where the faces came from in the painting. And after like after we finished the project and we and we donated money to like burn victims and mm -hmm. people that were homeless, I just continued on with the painting because it was something that became so near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. Um how did you uh decide to want to showcase all the paintings out here in LA? Um California to me is like a fantasy land. Like I would, I would <laughs> definitely like just pick up and move here if I didn't have stuff and yeah stuff. Didn't and, have to adult. Yeah, if I didn't have to adult in Philadelphia, I would totally just be here on everybody's couch, chilling, <laughs> <laughs> falling back on the beach. So um, I met this woman named Hyena, and she's. I think she's pretty well known in the Capoeira community, mm -hmm. and uh, through Facebook, she was like, sent a message saying that she really liked my work, and I was like, oh well, maybe we can we can put something in the air. She has a, a very a very beautiful gallery warehouse wow. in in downtown LA. It's called Warehouse fifteen forty eight, and that's where I'm having our show on Sunday. And I was I I was a little nervous to to even ask her about using the space, and mm -hmm. I said, you, you know, it's coming to a time where you're really putting your foot in your art, and you're really serious about trying to sell it and get everybody to see it. Mm -hmm. Every time I come to LA, everybody's like, Yo, I love your <laughs> artwork and this and that. I can't wait to yeah. see it. So I was like, Why not give people an opportunity to actually see it firsthand? Mm -hmm. So. I just sent her a message and everything just worked out so perfectly. Mm -hmm. 
Do you have any goals of uh, in terms of art, of what you want to maybe do in the future? Um, or is that just something that will come like organically, like later on after maybe you come back home and you're just back to a blank slate again? Yeah, I think that like personally, I just want to you know keep practicing. I'm self-taught, so everything that I do is just like through trial and error. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even watch like YouTube or or read books. Like it's Bob just Ross, like, you don't watch Bob Ross. On no, PBS? I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've seen him. I find yeah. it soothing. That's how I go to bed. Sometimes yeah. I put his shit on and I'll paint some trees and I'm mm-hmm. out. No, so I, don't, I don't watch Bob. I don't <laughs> yeah, so everything I do is just like trial and error. Just mm-hmm. seeing something or Im- uh, trying to imitate something. Mm-hmm. And that's how I learn and grow. And just getting tips from my sister. You should do this, you should do that. But like in Philly, I run this small organization called Philly Art Collective where I get sometimes 15 to 20 artists together mm-hmm. and we put put on a showcase. So like with time, my only hopes is that that can be the biggest thing in Philadelphia. Yeah. How is um, Philly like? I've never, I've never been to Philadelphia. Like how has it changed? Do you, do you see gentrification happening because it's like a big metropolitan? Is it a metropolitan city? I mean, I feel like Philadelphia is pretty, like it's well known. Yeah, it's very well known, and gentrification is is swallowing Philadelphia. But it's people are like on the fence about it. Mm-hmm. You know, the people sure. that are getting pushed way back into the into the neighborhoods. I don't know where the neighborhood is going because the bad neighborhood is now the good neighborhood. So where's the bad neighborhood? Yeah. So now the bad neighborhood is the good neighborhood, and everybody's mixed in between. You have the people that know nothing about Philadelphia right next to your drug dealers and your gangbangers and your neighborhood thugs. And I think it. some people hate it, Mm -hmm. but most people enjoy it. Like, it's kind of growing with that time. Like, um, was there a dynamic, like, when you first started? And, I mean, I'm sure it's changed because now you're an adult in Philadelphia when when you were a child in Capoeira. Like, how how do you think Ascabe was when you started out, and how do you think it is now? And, like, how do you think, how do you think it's going to be in, like, ten more years down the line? I think, like, socially and professionally, like, back in the day, we just... All we did was capoeira. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody had jobs. Everybody was in we school. We talk about that shit all the time. Like, <laughs> remember in your 20s, you had nothing to do. Like, yeah, that's all. If you weren't training, you were practicing music, or you were watching YouTube, like, the, the same 15 videos that were up. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when it, there was only, like, 10 videos of capoeira? Man, I don't even like, remember YouTube. You don't remember YouTube? <laughs> I don't remember. Like, it just... One day I was like, what the hell is YouTube? And it's just like all of these There things. was only like one. It was of uh, Spielmanim. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. It was just him moving around. And um, no, I, and I remember like having to scam music. Like nobody could get a hold of... Now you have Doondock. Yeah. You know, but like... I mean, like how... Do you remember how Ascabe was? Like do you find it changing now that you're an adult? Do you find that it's different? Is it bigger? Is it smaller? Do you... Um, like, focus on different things now to when you first started? I think, like, as teachers in Escabi, we all focus on different things. We all focus more on our lives and the, and the, the careers of our Capoeira students. 
all of the founding members of Escobie Philadelphia are in different places. Mm -hmm. So you got people that are in Northern California, New York, mm -hmm. New Hope, Pennsylvania, Gata Brava, Guatemala, China, Japan. So the core following is not in Philadelphia anymore. Mm -hmm. So the older students are are out. Branching out. So now it's like a new wave of Ascabi practitioners. Mm -hmm. And for like the old school, we like, yo, they don't got it like we used to have it, <laughs> you know. They didn't have to do this hard training. Yeah. And they just don't have that same pizzazz that we possess. You don't think like they're being pushed as much? Or do you think that just because of technology or just the way it is right now is, is that why? I think they don't push, push themselves or push each other mm -hmm. enough. You know, we really just ate, bled. Yeah. We did everything for Capoeira. But it's a different time, you know. Nobody had jobs. Nobody had kids. <laughs> nobody yeah. had houses to and take And it's like slowly changing now. Yeah, slowly changing. Like, the Capoeira crowd is getting older and older in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. You got people that are in their, their late 20s that are already, like, waist deep into families and wow. so, so swallowed up by their jobs yeah. that that they really forgot or just they forget how to live yeah so capoeira is like you know the only thing that they have mm -hmm. but they don't even have the joy to really enjoy capoeira mm -hmm. to really enjoy the fruits that capoeira brings like they don't really get to go to many bachizados they don't really get to like get together and just hang out outside of capoeira and talk bullshit yeah. or play music or just grab a drink and play in a Honda. Yeah. So it's just, it's like, it's systematic the way the world is with, like, technology and, like, everybody's conditioned to do this. Go to work. Feed your kids. Mm -hmm. Take your kids to school. Do a little working out. Come home, eat, go to sleep. That's it. Do it again. Yeah. So it's no spontaneity. It's... I can't say that there's no spontaneity in life yeah. now, but it's like, it's not the same. And we have, like, I have to accept the change that I can't just call my friends up like, yo, I want to <laughs> go to the park and practice this music or work on some flips. So I don't even ask anymore. Yeah. No, so, that's what happens when you, it's funny because you're only 23. I mean, like, I'm 34 and mm -hmm. it doesn't get better. <laughs> It gets worse. It gets worse. Unless you find more 20-year-olds or something like oh, that. Oh, hell no. You know, man, the young, <laughs> young people in Philly, especially in Philly, there are no young people doing capoeira in Philly. What do you think that is? I don't know. You think it's just like because of technology? I really don't know. It's like me and Muito were talking about this earlier today in the kitchen, and we were talking about black people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you go to a place or you see videos in Europe and Russia and Mm -hmm. Everywhere where it's like a gym full of people practicing and like loving the hell out of capoeira and we can't even get, you know, <laughs> 10 brown people in the class <laughs> to, to really uh, dive into art that's theirs that they just, they don't know and don't appreciate. I, I mean, um, I'm sure once it gets thrust into the spotlight again, mm -hmm. I feel like um, like our generation or at least me and Moitos, we're like around the same age, like... You know, we had only the strong come out. We thought that was that shit was mm -hmm. no shit. And then, you know, we found it, and that's what happened. I understand that, though. When I first started, I remember there would be so many people that they'd have to, like, 
okay, this is side A. You guys need to be off on the side. Now side B does. Okay, now switch. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not really like that anymore. It's true. I don't know what it is. If people want fast results or... Yeah. Because want... Capoeira is not fast results. <laughs> Capoeira is like, you get it. Sometimes you don't. <laughs> and when you think you know, you don't know. Exactly. And then somebody's always trying to tell you something different. Yeah. So it can be very discouraging, but... Um, what I can say that in Philadelphia, you cannot run away from Capoeira. Mm-hmm. Capoeira is everywhere in Philly. There are always like outdoor festivals where there are holders of Capoeira, mm-hmm. performances of Capoeira. And people really know about Capoeira. Like, it's rare that in Philly I say, oh, you know Capoeira? And they say, no, what's that? And even when they say, what's that? And I say, oh, you know, like the Afro-Brazilian yeah. dance fighting. And they say, oh, yeah, I seen that Odun day, or I saw that Brazilian day. <laughs> Does it feel weird when you have to say dance fighting? I, I use it all the time, too, like, to explain it. But sometimes I kind of cringe when I say dance fighting. Oh, man, like, I got to a point where I'm tired of saying dance fighting. I just say <laughs> Afro-Brazilian martial art, music, yeah. and culture. <laughs> I just call it martial art, and then when they say, what kind? And I say, Cabo, they're like, it's like dancing. I'm like, no, it's yeah. not like dancing. But sometimes I got to be like, yeah, we do flips and we kick. Mm-hmm. It looked like we b-boys, but we don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, what do you think that the future... I, I mean, do you plan to stay in Philadelphia? Is Philadelphia where you're at? Where you're like, I want to like, have, like, put roots in and stay here and have like someone take like what I have where they're, like, under you. Like, mm-hmm. do you see... Like, what do you see in the future of Escabe, like, Philadelphia, for you, coming from you, from your school? Um, well, I can't really speak about the future of Escabe because that's Matthew Dottor's work, mm-hmm. and he would kill me if, I was, like, <laughs> if I'm out here talking. The future he doesn't of even... I'm, I guarantee you, every time I try to get a message to plug my show or I just try to get, like... They don't know what a podcast is. Like, I have them say, like, look. I'll come up to a message and be like, how's it going? Thank you for coming to this Pachisado. Can you please record You Are Listening to the Capoeira Podcast? And they just, they get up to Capoeira, and then they look at me, they're like, podcast? Like, what is a podcast? Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I don't think he's listening. <laughs> Unless someone, like, says, yo, they say that you don't listen, but... No, 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 I understand, though. Yeah, but yeah. for my group, Ye Capoeira, Philly is where it's at, and Philly is where it's going to be for probably... The- next five or ten years Mm -hmm. or as long as you know my family is still my capoeira family and my actual family is still growing there Mm -hmm. so i'm not going to move until i feel like it's the last resort okay yeah so i I definitely want to get it popping like really popping like what do you want like how popping like what would you want like is like i'm sure you um do you have like goals like not that you write them down, but do you kind of have goals for I your write school? Everything you do. Down. Okay. Yeah. Do you like write maybe goals from what you want to teach, like your class, or like what inevitably you want them to learn? Is mm-hmm. there like, do you have hopes for the future? Like, what? Where do you want? Where do you see your school? Like, where do you want to see your school? And like, I don't know. Like, I want to see my years. school in the hood, actually, like mm-hmm. <laughs> West Philadelphia, where I grew up. But um, I want like all of my students to have the same base that I had. Um, Ascabi now is kind of like cookie cutter. Really? Yeah, where everybody is eating from the same spoon, but they don't really have any <laughs> style. Right. So I want to encourage my students to train the same way Mastery encouraged us to train, mm-hmm. is that you have this base of movements, you have this 
bass and music, but you have to make everything your own. Yeah. And I think that, like, my style is so wavy that I can pass that off to people mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm into a lot <laughs> of things. I can make it relate. Like, yo, this move is like this dance move or this song yeah. is like this song, you know. So I think I'm able to convey and relate to, to a certain crowd of people mm -hmm. or just people in general. So I definitely want to just create a group of people that just love art, mm -hmm. you know, be it dance, music, capoeira. All right, here we go. Let's start with, if you want to see me dance, if you want to see me do capoeira, if you want to see my paintings, you can go to www.instagram.com slash Martel Oliver or at Martel Oliver. If you want to be friends with me on Facebook, <laughs> you can type in Martel Oliver or Martel E.H. Capoeira. I like friends. That would be cool. Um, if you want to learn more about fashion design, the, the, the clothing that I design, you can go to www.majorenvy.com. If you want to learn more about Philly Art Collective, you can go to www.martelloliver.com and see all of the paintings that I have and read a little excerpt about what Philly Art Collective is. If you want to get down to a Philly event, go to www.instagram.com slash Philly Art Collective. If you want to train Capoeira with me and you want to check out the posts and see what our Capoeira group is like before you decide to join us, go to Instagram at a Capoeira or www.instagram.com slash eh Capoeira. Let's see what else I got. <laughs> if you, you want a house me, phone number too or whatever. No, no, do not call me on do not call me on the cell phone. I do not want my hotline blinging. If you want to watch me on YouTube, I don't know what it is on there or Vine, just type in my name, Martel Oliver. Um, the plan is to make Martel Oliver a household name, no matter if I'm a professor, a contramassi, master, instructor, or a student. Always a student. <laughs> Painting, whatever, but somewhere that we can all grow and exchange knowledge. 